Let's prepare our hearts to look into God's word tonight. Holy God, help us. Been reading through Isaiah in my own quiet communion with Father. And I read these verses this week. Psalm 55, verses 10 and 11. Sorry, Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. Rain and snow fall from the sky. Getting tired of the snow yet? Rain and snow fall from the sky and don't return until they've watered the ground. Then the ground causes the plants to sprout and grow and they produce seeds for the farmer and food for the people to eat. In the same way, my words leave my mouth and they don't come back without results. My words make the things happen that I want to happen. They succeed in doing what I send them to do. God is sending his word now to do something in our hearts. God is sending his word now to do something in our hearts. And it won't come back without results. God is wanting to do something, going to do something in our hearts tonight. Met a guy at man's prayer breakfast, this man's breakfast this morning. And he said this to me, the Bible will never lie to us. The Bible will never lie to us, friends. We are about to hear truth. We're about to hear truth. And it'll bring success, it'll bring life. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit now and help us to hear what you want us to hear. Do the work you want to do. Let there be the results that you want us to say yes to. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, thank you. Thank you, worship band, for your help. You may be seated. So we're in the series, Let, Let. And uh, tonight, I'm just going to take some time and review what we've already studied in the six messages. Um, I think sometimes we keep going and what God's been trying to say to us isn't allowed to firmly be firmly planted in our hearts. So I'm gonna go back to the verse I started this series with and then one way to Mexico. Colossians chapter three 
and uh, verse number 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let. Let. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let, tiny little word. And because it's tiny and we use it lots, we never probably think about what it means. But Cambridge Dictionary uh, gives this definition of, of let. Um, giving your permission. Yeah, I'll let you go out tonight. Let, to give permission. And then uh, the other part of it is, or allowing something to happen or someone to do something by not doing anything to stop it. Giving it permission or not doing anything to stop it. Let the peace of God rule and reign in your hearts. Let it happen. Let it happen. If you're sitting here this evening, glad you're here. But you don't have any peace. You're, you're battling peace. You're anxious. The only reason or only way that can happen is you're not letting, you're not letting the peace of God rule and reign. It's there for you, friends. The peace of God is there for us. Let, let the peace of God rule and reign. Now, I take us back there because now we've looked at six different lets. And as we've been going on this journey of lets, it's become crystal clear to me that they are, they are interconnected, they're interdependent, they rely on each other, and if you want one let to work, you've got to let the others work. They're interconnected. They're not independent things where you can... Uh, you can say that uh, I'll take that one, I won't take that one, because if you take that one and don't take that one, you're going to find yourself limping. They're all interconnected. All interconnected. So we have to let God do what he wants to do in our lives. Have you given permission to God to do what he wants to do in your life? Have you given him permission? 
And secondly, have you removed the tendency to, uh, when he's trying to do something, to say, oh, I, 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 I'm not going to let that happen. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. It'll spring forth into life. All of these lets will spring forth into life in our hearts, in our lives. So I was thinking about how they're all interconnected, and I, I want to give you tonight some, some practical application of how to let the lets succeed in your life. So, and uh, Here's the, here's the first thing you need to do. You need to be very careful about what you let dwell in your heart. You need to be very careful about what you dwell, let dwell in your heart. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. Romans 8, 5 and 6. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit, set your mind on the flesh is death, but set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You have to be very, very careful about what you're, uh, what you're letting dwell in your heart. Fleshly stuff will bring you nothing, but nothing but disappointment and ultimately death. It's not the pathway to success, spiritual success, abundant life. You have to set your heart on the spirit, which is life and peace. So second principle in letting let succeed in your life, second principle is get into the word of God and let the word of God get into you. Get into the Word of God and let the Word of God get into you. Amen. Get into the Word of God and let the Word of God get into you. One lady said to me, um, she's surprised as she talks to people how many Christians try to live the Christian life without ever reading their Bible. Surprised how many Christians try to live a Christian life without ever reading their Bible. You've got to let the Word, get into the Word of God and let the Word of God get into you. Uh, which leads to the third point. Control our thoughts. You see... When you get into the Word of God, it becomes life to you, it becomes sharp to you, it begins to control how you think. And you can't control your thoughts, you can't control what's happening in your heart unless you're getting into the Word of God and you're letting the Word of God get into you. We have to be people who are in the 
word. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number three. 2 Corinthians 10, verse number three. It's the word of God that does the work that helps us to think straight. It's the word of God that destroys arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and takes every thought captive to obey Christ. You're not gonna be free from the things that are messing you up. I'm not gonna be free from the things that are messing me up if I don't take captive my thoughts. And I can't take captive my thoughts unless I'm getting into the word of God and the word of God is getting into me. So you gotta let it happen. You gotta let it happen, which leads us to the second let we studied in this series. Colossians chapter four and verse number six. Colossians chapter four and verse number six. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You know what? Smart people can tell if you're in the Word of God. Because if you're in the Word of God, you talk different than people who aren't in the Word of God. And if the Word of God has been doing a work in your life, guess what speech comes out of your heart? It's gracious words. Not condemning words. It's not, oh, God's going to get your words. That's not God's heart. You let, you've got to give permission. You've got to give permission to yourself to make sure that every word you say is a word of grace, seasoned with salt. And when you're tempted to do something else, you've got to step in there and say, no, that's not how I'm going to speak. You speak Words of grace. People should rejoice when they see you entering in the room because they say, ah, here comes grace. Here comes grace. Simply put, if you're tempted to say something that's not gracious, don't say it. And of course, we all stumble and we all fail, but we'll get to that later. And sometimes we type stuff. And friends, you shouldn't send it. You shouldn't send it. Because it's not gracious. Let your speech on Sunday afternoons be gracious. Oh, because I, I still remember the sermon. No, let your speech always be gracious. Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, verse number 23. Let us hold fast, fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now what is it that we profess or confess as Christians? What's the profession of our faith? We profess Jesus Christ and him crucified for, for the forgiveness of sins and all who believe that and repent will be saved. We profess that. 
And you need to tell yourself that. That your faith is based on Jesus and what Jesus has done for you. And it needs to be what we consistently confess here. It's not Jesus plus anything John Drisner does. And I'm so grateful. Jesus has completed all the work. That's more exciting than you look. Jesus has done it all. Jesus has done it all. And we profess that and we declare that. Now notice what it says. Who's supposed to do this? Let, pardon me? Us, we do it. Let us do it. The Christian life is lived in community. We talked about prayer a lot uh, at the beginning of the year and the end of uh, 2022. And we talked about when you pray, say, where does it start? Our Father. It's lived, we do this thing together. And when people come into this building, or people meet you as a representative of Christ during this week, the profession they should be hearing is not a profession of judgment, it's not a profession of condemnation, it's not a bunch of words about how terrible and sinful they are. They need to hear the wonderful message of Jesus Christ who has carried our sins on his own shoulders. Thanks be to God. has to be the profession, the confession of the church. So here's the fourth thing, the fourth application of let uh, tonight. Hang out with people who are speaking the right things into your life. If, uh, if you're hanging out with people if you're hanging out with people who make you feel condemned and judged all the time, and well, no, let me reword that. If you're hanging out with people who make you feel judged and condemned any time, you probably need to find new friends. Because the profession of Christians is that Jesus has done it all for us. He's done it all for us. And in him is forgiveness of sins. In him. In him. In him. In him. Hebrews chapter 4. And verse number 11. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Ah, I, uh, I think we're really messed up as a culture. because we have made rest less and less important. Uh, 
And we're a culture that goes, 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 goes. And when you go, 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 at some point you pay a price for it. And I think our culture is paying the price from go, 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 go all the time. Let us strive to enter into rest. Now that's an oxymoron. That's a really good oxymoron. Work at resting. Work at resting. But friends, we gotta work at it. We've gotta make it such a priority in our life that our body is rested, our soul is at rest, and our spirit is at rest. Some of us have to really learn how to slow down. I've told this story here probably way too many times, must be getting close to time for you to find a new next lead pastor. But, (laughs) hey, uh, let's not go there. Hey, but I I told you about how when I was district superintendent, I was getting to the point where I felt I'd lost control of my life. I would walk into the office and as soon as I got there, I had a pile of eight messages I needed to respond to. The phone would start ringing. We got a meeting at 9.30, Pastor, on and on and on. And I finally said to the district administrator, I don't think I needed her permission, but I thought she at least needed to know what I was doing. I said, I'm not coming in anymore until I've got rid of everything in my heart that is creating any anxiety at all. I'm just gonna keep praying till I'm at perfect peace in my body, my soul, and my spirit. We have to strive at this, friends. We have to work at making sure we're rested. And some of us, Some of us need to take a good look at our weeks and maybe take a couple of things out of the schedule. And can I meddle now? Um, Gotta be very careful we're not doing our kids a disservice where they always have to be at the next thing. In the long run, you're teaching them a life habit that will not serve them well. We have to learn how to rest. This is all in the context of, uh, in the book of Hebrews. It's all in the context of the beginning of chapter two, where, uh, where the writer to the Hebrew talks about 
us not paying attention to things that have been written and we've drifted from them. And as a result of that, he, he uses the phrase, verse number three in Hebrews chapter two, we're neglecting so great a salvation. So the challenge or the problem or the difficulty for us becomes we're actually neglecting we're actually neglecting everything, doing the right thing so we can enter into the fullness of God's salvation. See, God doesn't just want you to know that your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven. You should know that. But he, he wants you to have a, a full salvation in your life that, that is characterized by joy and peace and this settledness in your heart. And we don't get there if we're always on the go. We've got to learn, work at making sure we're getting rest. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 in the message. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Well, got to end. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. Another let. We were here last weekend. Let us then with confidence, worship band coming along, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Two observations. Both of them I got from attending prayer meetings or a neighborhood group this week. First of all, it doesn't say, let us then with confidence stay near. God knows us too well. Any of you did, did any wandering at all this week? Don't raise your hand, because I think all of our hands should go up. We wander. We're not good at staying near. So God doesn't stay near because he knows we don't stay near. We have to always be drawing ourselves back, drawing near again, drawing near again. Let us draw near. Ah. When I was a teenager, there were a couple of girls I was kind of sweet on. It's funny when you're sweet on a girl. How on the church fan you always seem to figure out how to be sitting beside them. Why are you, why are you drawing near and arranging that? Why do you make that happen? Because you're fond of her. So you draw near, you, you figure out how to get close. When you love someone, you need to, you want to be near. When you love someone, you want to be near. Jesus loves you deeply tonight, friends. He really does, really, really does, really, really loves you. Draw near to that love. 
draw near, draw near. So, one of the prayer meetings this weekend, it's actually the prayer meeting at North Point. One of the guys who attends there said this as we were about to pray. He said, and pastor, we, we need to pray about the sermon on the weekend. He said, I have loved this Let series. But he said, after last Sunday night's message, I'm convinced if we'll take Hebrews 4.16 right, take it seriously, all the other lets will line up for us. And the problem is we want everything to line up, but we want to do it keeping God at the distance. We need to draw near to him. Let it happen, friends. Give God permission tonight. Give God permission to do everything he wants to do in your life. Draw near to him.